0: Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lohan, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. We finally got all the boys back together. Actually, I shouldn't say finally. I think we just took a week off and then we were together last week. But we're here with... Myself, Nicholas Chase, and the Zwift champion. I guess it's a duathlon, the Zwift yeah. duathlon champion. Series yes. number one. Yeah. Uh, four. Of That's four. right. Mr. Jackson Laundry. Jackson, how are you feeling after your biggest win of the year? Well, I mean, I'm pretty
1: pretty amazed that I can beat Anthony Costas. I mean, all it takes is him to miss one out of three races. Um And he's still only beaten by one point, but and he doesn't run, (laughs) doesn't even do the run, but it was pretty, pretty good. It was kind of a up and down day for everyone. Really. I don't think there's too many guys who could say they kind of had a good race, all three (laughs) across the board, but it was pretty cool. I mean, first time we've seen the Zwift duathlon. So, um, definitely a lot different in terms of tactics, but, um, I guess I just kind of had a consistent day all across all three and then had a really good race on the third one. And that's what of got me into the running for the win there um but i think yeah. most guys ran too hard and then i kind of couldn't run hard because my treadmill wasn't fast enough and that ended up working out in my favor um because it kind of started the third race i'm like oh i actually feel like i haven't really done too much so
0: and for those listening you kind of got to give a bit of context so how the race format was laid out was it was a time trial on the bike non-draft non-drafting yeah straight into a run on the treadmill which the scoring was a little different it was based on paces like pace categories to get the full points and 5k distance and yeah five or 5.8 uh yeah and i think they mixed up they had some mix up there too but that okay. was because of treadmills and stuff so and then uh, uh it was a uh, on the crit course it was a points race right with intermediate intermediate sprints and then a final sprint so crit city yeah.
1: Yeah. So the most points were available on race three so um the uh the max available for the first two races is 20 and then on race three technically if you win every sprint i think you get 38 points if you win every sprint and the final ra- uh, race so definitely worth a lot more than the
2: first two um quick question how did they how, how much of a lead-in like And how was it going from the bike and then getting an invite to the run race and then having a lead in? Like, how did they structure that?
1: Yeah, it was pretty quick turnaround. It was probably like, it was maybe 12 minutes from the end of the bike to the start of the run, the actual start of the race part. So
2: when did you have to run? Uh, What's that? Like how, within how long being off the bike, did you have to absolutely start running?
1: 12 minutes. Yeah. That was the start of the race.
2: Okay. I didn't know if you had to pre-run
1: no you could just, it was kind of just like you could jog on the stationary thing just like at the start of the bike races but um i saw that in like the pre-race guide and i kind of planned to like okay get off the bike and do your cool down kind of as a, as a walk or run on the treadmill um but i think a couple of guys might have gotten caught just not taking enough like not being quick enough um so that Maybe they had technical issues as well. I don't know, but
2: I have another question too. Um, the accuracy and validity of the stride pod, and it's funny they didn't use this <laughs> swift running pod. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so there's I don't know, there was only like three acceptable forms of like foot pods or run belts or whatever. Um, but they don't allow the swift one because it's not accurate enough, uh, yeah. apparently. So, I mean. I've like, it feels to me like the stride is extremely accurate. It's very consistent. I tried it on two different feet. I tried it running uphill flat. It goes the same speed at the max speed on the treadmill. So
2: I, uh, I use that on Zwift for just Swift running at the local treadmill place and it always matches. So I was pretty, pretty happy to see that they used a good technology feet there. Was yeah, the think-
0: um, run sensor on the treadmill was
2: that was not allowed?
1: no no like treadmill calibrated like there's i think there's some you're probably talking about the one where you can like connect it to your treadmill yeah uh, it's
0: like a little pod you like clip it on and then you put like little sensors on the belt uh zwift Cell. Oh, i've had that one like i have that one. Uh, oh, interesting i would not trust it at all yeah, yeah so i but, i forget which three
1: it was that they allowed but um i mean there's a ton of them out there so I think it was probably pretty legit in terms of accuracy, probably more accurate than power meters or trainers, I would say.
2: But uh, what if you put a negative three decline on your treadmill?
1: Yeah. They didn't say anything about that. And they didn't even, I don't even think they said it's not allowed, They should. But they do, they do have you on like a zoom video. So it would be pretty obvious if I think you could probably tell if it was any more than 1%. I bet you could tell with the naked eye. Anytime
2: uh, I saw any athlete, it was like this upward angle. So you, there was no
0: way to tell if it was whatever true. it was yeah. But anyways, I'm and just I saying. Having the pace groups probably helped for that too. Like where you can pretty much like Matt Hanson crushed the best standard. Yeah. So I feel like that probably would help inter- since it's not like a one, like a placement finish, but man, that run thing that I have, it is so just like up and down all the time, and it yeah. drops out like half the time. Yeah, stride's thing, pretty solid. One thing that was hilarious in the women's race—I don't know if you guys saw it—but Emma Pallant made it with to like 50 meters before the line, and she had a dropout, and her person just <sighs> stood <there. laughs> I don't even know if she finished. That's terrible. I actually—it was interesting
1: because I was the treadmill here goes at right around 325 to 324 max pace. So that like gets you really close to maybe make that 16 point second standard, which I thought was okay. If I get 16, that's great. But then I for the only time that I've ever used the stride part on Zwift, I actually had dropouts like really brief ones, but I had like one every minute for like half a second. So I was just running at 325 and getting like 329 for my pace. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just slow down a bit and then come in at the 333 or whatever and get 12 points. Um so that's what I did. But I got to try to figure that out so I can actually get 16 next week, ideally. But it was, yeah, I, like my heart rate was average like 156, and a lot of the other guys were over 170. And I think that really, I mean, everyone's heart rate's different, but I think those guys just overcooked it and they weren't able to get any sprint points.
2: Just skip the run next time altogether, like the other top two guys, and friggin' <laughs> that's all you got to do. That's clear. It's not allowed, actually,
1: um, for next week. They said if. Okay. if anybody isn't able to run they're not going to be able to finish at all because they don't want them taking away points from people who actually
2: did yeah, the whole thing smart i'm glad that they did that
1: um, but anyways hopefully the glitches are worked out but i had a really good race in terms of the sprints the intermediate sprints i won two of them and i got three i got third place for three of them so five out of the six i got points
2: Dude, you um, touched it so hard on that race that was awesome
1: yeah that was great I, my one of my best sprints ever was in the first sprint to the first thing <laughs> i think i might have overdone it a bit but i was able to hold it together pretty good yeah
2: um, so um we'll see i mean,
1: I like the run aspect i think it's good to add that and it has a whole different dynamic to the race for sure
2: well let's not forget kelsey also is a real triathlon squad team member was racing for the women's field she was in before they did the whatever calculation for some of the dropouts, well, she wasn't able to run at all. She was the only woman or woman who was not able to run due to a big dropout. And I think after talking with her, she had used two different devices for her stride pod. And usually since it's Bluetooth, it'll pair to that initial device. And unless you reset that stride, it'll keep looking for that same one. So she was unable to even connect to her other device. So anyways, that's why she couldn't run. And she probably would have been top five, I bet, if she was able to run
1: yeah that's too bad but she still was 10th even after yeah. all that so i think she'll be good next week yeah so um, cool and i i'm gonna figure it out i'm gonna do different types of connections and just figure out what works and then i'll stick with that so yeah um cool. I've got a couple of days to straighten it out but yeah so that was fun i mean that's what what i got so we'll <laughs> see. i'm like a professional swift racer now i guess Yeah, you are look at you making no, me a it's
0: fun it's so funny to think like at the start of this year, you were, you knew nothing about like Zwift racing. You could hardly care about it. You knew it was just a good workout. Didn't know any strategy. And now you're like winning these professional Zwift races. Yeah. So you've become yeah. like, you took it and you, you brought it into like your professional attitude towards it. And it's really shown. So props.
2: And yeah. And you're a damn good sprinter, man. Your sprint is unreal. Oh,
1: Thanks. I mean, I, it's, if you compare it to like real sprinters, it's pretty terrible, but, um, the thing it's is athletes. it's yeah, it's athletes and it's like, you're sprinting off of a, like 105% of threshold type effort. So it's different than any kind of normal sprint. And I think what I'm able to excel at is being close to my best sprint, even when I'm like really tired on like a threshold effort yeah. And that's why, because I don't think I my max normal sprint is much better than any of these guys, but I'm able to keep doing it and doing it and stay relatively close to my max. And that's probably the same with Gostes and Kahneman, why they're doing well yeah, uh, in the sprints. But hopefully next week I can pick up even a few more points. But it would be interesting to have some of these real pro zifters in there because the dynamics of the race is so different with athletes because we just like push the pace the whole time. Yeah. And it would be interesting to see. I bet you they would be really um flattened out in terms of their sprinting ability um it wouldn't be doing 1500 watts every time that's for sure
2: yeah okay so that's the Zwift we're gonna have more of those recaps every week during this series during the month of February and hopefully Jack wins them all and then takes <sighs> it to a nice seafood dinner and <laughs> seafood eat fun. food right <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah and then you know the big news obviously is this is a big episode for for us um I wasn't able to make the episode, but I can't wait to even listen to it. Um, we've got Andrew Starkowitz on and I mean, all of us have known about him for years. We've watched him kick our ass for years and years and been yeah. amazed when he went sub four hour on the bike at Ironman Florida years ago, he's just set the standard and keeps pushing it for what a, a Uber biker really is. And even some of the top guys right now, you know, it'd be tough for him to, to go with him i have lionel and starkowitz been on the same course outside of kona though oh yeah i can't remember yeah,
1: not recently but they have for sure but um, starkey used to crush him on the bike like back in the day when Lionel was using butyl tubes and gator yeah. skins and stuff and uh i think lionel still beat him a few times when he would outrun him by like 10 minutes
2: yeah so that was where you know Starky's just always been the bike god um and he's i mean i in even watching him run it's impressive to see what he's been able to do being a heavier stockier fella I mean he could probably just go in to be a defensive lineman at any given moment as well so it's incredible he's his, his drive he's very vivacious in the pro meeting any pro meeting you go to you know Stark going to call out some bullshit and be like I hey, don't you tell those bastards to keep them another three miles between us and the motor pacer up front or something you know he's always calling out drafters and and dopers and everything which is why obviously it's a very contentious episode um with his recent issues going on with uh usada and iron man and wada so you guys dive into all that of course and you know if you got
0: anything to tease our listeners on go ahead and drop it now yeah so we talk about kind of the whole situation with, with wada and usada and uh and iron man and kind of his mental state we also just get his perspective on a lot of stuff like this guy's been racing pro since 2006 it's amazing so he, he's got like a lot of knowledge and he's been through a lot he's had a lot of experiences obviously there was an entire media i don't know company all ish you know the yeah. real starkey yeah it's around dark a- mark of him yeah so so we touch upon all that, all that stuff, and kind of what he's been doing for the last year. Nobody's heard anything from him for like this whole pandemic. So we go into that as well. Uh, it's a longer episode, but he's just got so much to talk about and yeah. what's going on with him. So we figured, why stop him? You know.
2: And there are there's other episodes where Starkey dives into every aspect of the the doping allegations and the process. So those are out there if you want to really get some background on it, but. Honestly, this episode was not designed just to talk about that. Starkey's way more than just this one thing, um, and we wanted to make sure that he was highlighted for his total career, not just this one, you know, cloud going over his career right now, which is, you know, obviously going to smooth over eventually. So, yeah, let's dive in, right? Let's do, let's it. do it.
0: All right, so we have. The biggest doper in triathlon, Andrew Starke, on the podcast.
3: I guess by size, I guess by size, I, I am the biggest guy. I'm one of I'm the one of if not the biggest guys. So uh, yeah, I guess you could can uh, call me that, but uh, <laughs> you, you, you technically can't call me a doper because WADA declared that it was not performance enhancing.
1: Yeah, I trust Waddle more than I trust Iron Man, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. So, for those of you listening who maybe didn't listen to the intro and you're just tuning in now, Starkey suffered a suspension or got suspended uh, for taking a substance that he was prescribed to by a physician that's an expert in their field. And he did a whole interview on this um with the brick session so you guys can head back over there and and take a listen to that we don't want to touch upon too many of these questions because i think part of this is you know kind of time to move on um and like talk about starkey himself and not so much about the doping so starkey man it's been over a year since this whole thing happened how are you feeling
3: yeah i heard i heard I heard i heard most of what you said yeah i did not hear the end question but
0: okay so just just how are you doing? How are you feeling? And how was the past year?
3: Year, uh, it's just unfolded very, very interesting with the whole coronavirus and how it's evolved. And the the information we know today is not the information we know tomorrow, or what we learn tomorrow is not what we thought was true today. And it's just been it's kind and that that's left us all, you know, in kind of a state of limbo on training. It's how hard do I train? How hard do I push it? Uh, if there is something that's going to happen, how, you know, how long is it going to, I need to be in a state where I can be ready ha, if something was to happen. And for me, it's just been very different because I went from being training nine to five to literally I got, uh, from 6am in the morning till five at night. I have, uh, three kids under the age of five. And when I, uh, and when the COVID crisis started, uh, I, my youngest daughter was crawling and now she's walking and starting to talk. So, uh, you know, there's been great changes and, you know, how good my parenting is going to be or how good my parenting was, we will uh, we'll have to find out in the next uh, couple of years.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or, or longer, who knows? You can always get blamed for anything that happens later in life. Don't forget that.
3: I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure I will
0: <laughs> yeah man I think there's one one thing people always think about pros and all they think about is racing and they think they just trained nine to five but like that's not what it's like especially not for a pro who's a parent and now their kid is they got essentially three homeschooled kids how, how have you really been balancing training with your kids or have you kind of stepped back with training and, and focused on kids
3: last year I very much stepped back to training uh I think there was to train really hard with and compromise your immune system because I mean when you train hard you compromise your immune system and any and it becomes you've become much more susceptible to illness and yeah you know, so with all the unknowns of coronavirus I very much throttled back uh i I don't think i mean i would i'd swim open water maybe once a week uh and that was my only time in the water because uh even though a few of the pools stayed open it's like i you know we there was so much unknowns you just you don't want to risk it and uh so i just i just very much shut it down and uh got to play dad got to do a lot of cool things and got to a lot of time with my kids that I mean had uh, had coronavirus not happened I would not have had the opportunity to do so I'm actually quite thankful for coronavirus and some of the opportunities that I had with my kids and some of the adventures that we had last summer uh because you know had it been a normal year of training and racing it, it just wouldn't have happened
1: yeah that's a really good way to look at it I mean most people definitely don't have as positive an outlook as as you do um but I think, um, you could agree that it's pretty much the best year to not be allowed to race is a year when nobody really races much. So that worked out well for sure. Um, which is good because, you know, everybody's sitting there adding up, like how much they lost and what could have been, should have been. But when you just focus on what's been good, um, it's definitely a lot easier. I mean, your, your state of mental health was probably a lot better than a lot of people's and you had a much tougher situation.
3: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it goes back to, and so much of what I've harped on, uh, at least in, you know, in my blogs and in, uh, you know, in the brick session, it's, it all goes back to life experience and uh, you know, going through what I and my family went through in 2016, uh, you know, my view of life after, you know, I got run over and pretty much left for dead uh, very much changed. And it's, and a lot of the things that used to piss me off before, they still piss me off but i just i just i just let it go and let it let it go let you know just keep keep going because uh i realize you know dwelling on it or holding grudges it's just not it's not healthy it just doesn't uh, bode well at the end of the day
0: did t u e still piss you off
3: <laughs> more now than they did before because now I know way too much about them. uh yeah it's it's just it it's yeah it it is it does um uh, you know, and uh you know there's plenty of fact there that uh the uh, yeah um we' yeah <laughs> we're not gonna go down that we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole or uh we're gonna be here a long time,
1: fair enough so where do you think you know? you said you dialed back the training and we don't know what's going to happen this year. Um, there are a couple races looking like they're on the calendar. Like do you have kind of a plan. Do you, do you want to go to the Miami race? Like, are you in shape? Like what kind of a fitness level are you at right now?
3: I mean, I, I'm in pretty good shape. Uh, you know, I kind of threw out my back, uh, picking up my daughter a few weeks ago. And yeah, you know, it just, it happens occasionally just with the injuries that I've had uh so it kind of set me back about a month but uh yeah it's i in mean, i'm i'm training hard uh right now and optimistic that there will be some sort of racing i mean i'm kind of i'm kind of you you offer me a race i don't care what it is i'm doing it you know it's, <laughs> uh, I, I think that's 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 kind of the state that all of us are in i mean you could throw in whether it's an Extera event or whether it's a uh a double Ironman or whether it's a super sprint, I think yeah, all of us at this point are going to be like, Oh, count me in, count me in. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll race. I'll, I'll, I'll race. I'll race Javi Gomez in a super sprint. Yeah. I, I, it, throw me in. I, I don't care. I, I got it right.
1: <laughs> nice. Okay. So we expect to see you at the first race that happens then, um, which is awesome. But yeah, I mean, that's great. And and being in the United States, seems to be like, as being an American seems to be the best thing if you're a triathlete for being able to race, because it's pretty much the main, I guess, like the only country that's had consistently somewhat had some races since, you know, September or whatever. Um, So that's great. I mean, it's just a big country. So there's a lot of different opportunities, but also um, there's not a lot of travel restrictions within the country or anything. So it seems like you guys have a good opportunity there. Uh, have you traveled at all since the pandemic started, like, for any reason? And, like, have you experienced what that's kind of like?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've traveled uh, just a couple times to clear my head, uh, just weekend training down to, you know, the areas that I like to go train. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's – you're right. The one thing you are definitely right, it's a big country – and there's a lot of states with a lot of different restrictions. Um, I mean, the areas up where I live, I could, I'm pretty safe to say that I'm doubtful even that Chicago Marathon will happen in October. Just, uh, just looking at the restrictions uh, that our state's currently under and the, the path to get. Uh, an event where a million people attend the event. And I think that's one of the things that most people kind of overlook when they talk about the events happening. Most people just think about the athletes, but, you know, I mean, you got to consider the athletes of the spectator, you got the health of the spectators, the athletes, the staff, the emergency crew, and all of that. And, you know, when you put all of those numbers together, uh, these events of, you know, even events of thousand people, two people come to watch each of the thousand people come. Now you have 3000 people and then you have uh, event staff, medical staff, all the volunteers. You're now you're up to 3,500 people and it's an event with a thousand people, but you have, you know, you're, you're almost at five thousand, thirty-five hundred 3,500 people, if not, you know, probably closer to 5,000 for people who bring their whole families to these events. So uh, I think, I think, um, it's largely going to depend on where the events are. I think, uh, you know, looking at events in Florida, uh, that's kind of where I was circling, uh, you know, starting the season, but then, uh, you look at like St. Anthony's triathlon, which is at the, which was originally at the end of April has already been postponed to, uh, August. Uh, and that's in Florida, which is one of the most open, if not the most open state.
1: Yeah. I mean, we don't know it and I think in that particular case it might be uh, because it's sponsored by a hospital so obviously the, the hospital is not going to want to sponsor a race unless it's very safe and um, I think maybe that well then that know, then that'll them. wipe
3: the uh, two Texas races out because that's Memorial Herman which is also a hospital system yeah as well.
1: yeah yeah that's true um, so it's yeah it's interesting all these hospitals sponsor these races but I mean at this point it's looking pretty good for challenge what's it miami um just because it hasn't been canceled yet not that that means it won't because we've seen races canceled three days out but um daytona happened and it's another challenge race so that one's looking not too bad um and that's hey i mean you wanted to do daytona if you had been allowed the flat pass course like that seems to be where you really crush i mean you crush on the bike all the time but Um, that's kind of your jam. So hopefully you're able to do that one,
3: man. Yeah. I mean, Miami, Miami, just like Daytona, it's all on private property. So, uh, you know, there's a little more flexibility there than it is, you know, having to deal with large parks and recreation townships and stuff like that. And it's also in Florida.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Man, what do you, uh, what do you think would have happened if you showed up in Daytona this year? Oh yeah. Last year.
3: Uh, this year, when I show up in Daytona, this fall it's going to be bringing the whole wrecking crew and uh, it's going to be ugly. Uh, um, I can only speculate. And I just look at past results. and I think we all can agree. Lionel didn't have the race that he should have. He kind of blew his load a month out from the race, uh, doing the hour time trial record, which, I mean, I've given him large props for because I mean, I've ridden long periods of time on the village Rome and, uh, that shit tears you up, um, and you know when you when you ran the 5K the week before, I was just like, oh man, Lionel, you're doing it again. I mean, we saw him do it a few years ago in Hawaii where he just he killed it one month out from the race, and uh, and we saw him do it last year there. But uh, I mean, looking at the guys that I've raced over and over, uh, I mean, and the one I keep going back to is Matt Hansen and uh, I've raced Matt Hansen so many times at the half distance and uh on a flat course he's beaten me once and it was on I was at Coeur d'Alene at the half distance but on flat courses he's never beaten me at at the half distance so uh I mean I think the podium would have looked different
0: yeah nice so we've been kind of talking about the last year um we kind of the stuff and we've we've danced around some stuff here and I just want to get like your mental state. If we can go back to Kona 2019, you're sitting, you're standing there. I don't know if you went out and watched the race start. You're sick. You got bronchitis. You can't race. You come home, you go see a doctor. This doctor prescribes something for you. Pulmonologist.
3: Pres- really? Pulmonologist. Not just a, not just like a family practice doctor, a yes. pulmonologist.
0: Pulmonologist. So a specialist in their field. Treating mm-hmm. a professional athlete whose livelihood depends on his performances, she prescribes uh, an inhaler. Brio. Um, Brio. Uh,
3: it, it's basically a, like, uh, I mean, it's just a standard long acting beta agonist inhaler. Yeah. Uh, it's n- nothing special. It's uh, standard on almost every hospital's formulary.
0: Yeah, so uh, you showed up in Kona, man. you're super fit, you didn't get to race, you're right. starting to get better with the with this medication from a doctor, a specialist in their field, you show up, you race uh, Waco, then you race Texas, you get drug tested and you get Florida, tested, or sorry, Florida. Florida. Um, and you get you, you get tested, you declare it, you went through all these steps to get a TUE. Um, you, again, this was really discussed on, on the last podcast. Um, but what's like, what's your mental state going from that point in Kona to that race in say, Florida? I mean, it was just, it was get healthy. I mean, uh,
3: I didn't, I mean, it was okay. Let's we fly. I flew to Texas. Uh, I mean, it was just to get healthy and uh, I mean, the WADA rule book, the USADA rule book, they're all very clear. The athlete's health always comes first. And so I, you know, I put the athlete's health first and, uh, you know, I didn't want to become the next Ed Ashtoff. Uh, I, mean, I don't know how much you follow sports, but Ed Ashtoff last, uh, in 2019 got a lung infection and died. 20 he's 28 or 29 years old got a lung infection just randomly died uh you know I, I took i took an inhaler uh what my doctor prescribed me got me healthy so um you know for usada and water to fixate that i should have taken a different inhaler like uh i mean they both said i should have taken advar um for the hospital system where my doctor worked uh if a patient comes in on Advair, they switch him to Brio uh, just because it's a better it's a better product. Advair' has been removed multiple times from 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 the market because of its shortfalls in terms of its negative side effects and' its black box side effects so it's I mean you know the doctor's their doctor's number one job is to look out for their patient and you know i I brought up the water. Rules and you know, I looked at them and I go through that all those steps in my blog. Uh, and you know, she's prescribed what was going to get me healthy. Uh, and I followed my doctor's orders and I got healthy. So, uh, you know, and I I find it crazy that uh, USADA and WADA want you to take something that's been pulled from the market multiple times, and uh, you know, it's just a, a second, it's a secondary. Is, is not as good of a medical product, uh, you know, and I, I honestly, that's one of the things going forward that I think, uh, you know, the, we, need, we need the opportunity as athletes to treat our health, um, you know, for an acute illness, and yes, I am still against long-term TUEs, chronic TUEs, what I talked about on Breakfast with Bob, Uh, in 2019, I am still 100% against chronic TUEs and sorry, I'm 100% against chronic TUEs and if, you know, you need a chronic TUE uh, or if, since we won't ever do away with TUEs, I think that every TUE should be public knowledge and, I mean, I'd be fine with everybody in the world knowing that I took Brio for Texas and Florida. I mean, I mean, I was obviously sick and, you know, I missed, I missed Kona. That was my first did not start in my whole triathlon career.
0: Yeah. And so listening to that podcast that you did, reading everything about it, reading, I dug into it pretty much as much as was out there that I could find. And then kind of going into the researching Adver, Brio, I know when I was seven and eight years old, I was on Advair, uh, and then that also uh, my doctor took me off of it for a number of reasons as well. So personally, I've I've experienced it, and what really stunned me about this case, and I I've, I don't want to be like super on your side with this whole podcast thing because I you know you want to try to answer questions, but the more I read into this, the more to me it looks like your doctor what they prescribed it was so in medical in the medical field we really talk about evidence-based practice and to them that's something they're giving you the best drug because the evidence states that that's what's going to get you the healthiest the fastest and they use outcome measures for that and what wada or the doctor that kind of went through your case and decided retroactively oh he was on the wrong medication instead of using evidence-based practice and what's better for the athlete and what's healthier for the athletes to them it was like well this is more legal in competition but it and is also a treatment method for this and to me that as an athlete and someone who TUEs affects directly and this is for everybody for age groupers and everything like that was hard to hear and hard to read because it's like do you really care about my health? So if this happened to me, is my career essentially over because you guys think, well, it's based on the rule book and not as much on the athlete's health and what evidence is based around that.
3: I mean, a lot of what you said is, is, is extremely true. And again, that's why I have such an issue and I've had such an issue. And now I have more of an issue with the TUE process and You know, people can call me a hypocrite or whatever they'd like, but the fact, the fact still is out there. Hey, if the drafting, if the drafting zone is 10 meters, every athlete's going to make it, every athlete's going to push 10 meters. Even if you don't like the drafting and you speak out against the drafting zone, you're not going to be sitting 25 meters off somebody's wheel. You're going to be, you're going to be sitting there at 10 meters. And, uh, I don't like TUEs, but Hey, I mean, if I'm sick, I'm going to follow the process. I'm going to obey the rules. I'm going to file the TUE and do it. Um, again, it's, it's a difference of opinion of, or a difference of perspective of, you know, I, it was in my opinion, you know, putting the athlete's health first, which is written in the water rule book. Um, I, you know, assumed that I was going to get the TUE and I, I, it was a calculated risk and I was wrong. So, um, And people people assume that I'm complaining about what happened, and no, I'm just voicing what happened, uh, so it doesn't happen to other people. And a lot of people have also said, "Hey, you know, I'm it's just it's just because you're a pro, is you know, you're a professional athlete. This could happen to any age grouper. Every single age grouper that does an Ironman event is 100% subject to this. So, and you know, and there's a million little things out there. There's contaminated supplements. There's all this crap that hey, if you're an average age grouper. I mean, they could ruin, they could ruin a, a young athlete or a middle-aged athlete's career by all of a sudden just, you know, barraging the media with, with one of these, uh, with one of these positive tests And then I, you know, it's scary. I mean, I think, you know, if, you know, if you had a full-time job and you're a middle management and all of a sudden this happens and you, you were totally innocently uh, doing it uh, you know, it's, you know, it's not just because we're professionals, it's every age, it's every athlete that signs up for a race is subject to drug testing.
0: Jack, you're muted.
1: It's something that's scary as a pro is those, like you said, things can be contaminated and you just kind of go by, oh, this person tested positive because something was in meat. Okay, now I'm going to like research that and make sure that, you know, the meat I buy is like hormone free and everything, but it says that on the like how do you trust it, right? So yeah. it's like, right. it's kind of a crapshoot. And like, if you're a certain level of athlete, I'm pretty sure if you get test positive for one of those hormones, they just don't even bother looking into it because they're like, ah, it was in the meat. Um, but if you're a, you know, a me or whoever, um, who knows what they're gonna do, especially with uh, the way it seems like some of the, the kind of penalties can be greatly varied um, in, in their severity. Um, but yeah, so I mean, just as a kind of, um, just as something that people can kind of compare if they get something similar, what was the lung infection that you had? Like, was there a certain diagnosis, or is just bronchitis uh, something people get all kind of frequently?
3: I mean, it was. I think it was the technical thing was is it was like post post infectious cough. Uh, by the time I went to the, saw the pulmonologist after I got back from Hawaii. Um, the interesting thing is, is, I mean, not to be a total conspiracy theorist, uh, I was in Nice with you, which uh, we'll, we'll make a segue here real quick. What was the one thing I told you to do the night before the race? We were messaging back and forth. And I told you, Jackson, you said, don't crash world championship. What's the one thing I told you not to do?
1: I'm pretty sure you said, don't crash. And I think I just remember this now. I don't think I had any recollection of that until right now. (laughs)
3: <laughs> and what happened
1: i crashed yeah
3: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I told you i like it's your first one don't do anything stupid don't crash
1: it wasn't my first world championship it was my third wasn't
3: that your third
0: or
1: no okay. second second sorry i did uh chattanooga okay i wasn't so, i wasn't near the front so you probably never you never even noticed
3: <laughs> that chattanooga race. i think that chattanooga race is one of the craziest uh, of all of them. But, uh, so now I'll go back to the original one. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, I get home in 10 days or about 10, 12 days after I get back from, uh, Nice, which is kind of where, you know, that area is where they said COVID was one of the first places that it started popping up, uh, is when me and my son got sick and my son, you know, and it's not really ever mentioned, we got hospitalized uh, for the infection that I had and he got hospitalized just before, uh, I, just before I left for Kona, which, I mean, you want to talk about a great spousal conversation. I'm three days or two days from leaving for Kona and my, and my son's like, like wheezing and, you know, he has epilepsy on top of it. So, you know, we're always super cautious, but he's wheezing and my wife's like, you want to take him? And, cause at that point, my daughter's, my, my infant daughter is breastfeeding. And I'm like, no, I can thaw some milk. I think you should go because I really don't feel like spending the night in the ER, you know, having <laughs> 10 days out and I'm already kind of, you know, laboring as it is. And uh, then sure enough, uh, you know, I, I end up getting it real bad uh, a couple days later. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, but yeah, that was, you know, like I felt somewhat okay. And then the flight. To Hawaii just did me in um, and uh yeah, I mean, I got there, and then through the week, I kind of felt a little better, and then uh the flight home really i mean when i I was literally walking through through O'Hare airport, and like had to stop uh just because I was wheezing uh so bad, and so yeah, you get you know professional athletes they can 't even walk the length of O'Hare airport without you know have, stopping to catch his breath so uh, it was, so, yeah, so I was diagnosed with post post infectious cough. I think was exactly what it was declared as.
1: Well, I mean, if it was if it if COVID was around that early, they wouldn't have even had a test for it. So, um, right. I think, I think uh, again, it came later than that. But who know. knows?
0: Yeah. Could have been the one that brought it to the U.S. Yeah, could have been you. I could
3: have. I could have. <laughs> I could have been the uh, yeah. I could have been the one spreading it to everybody.
1: Uh, yeah so Eric, what else do you have on the docket I know you guys had a chat last week off the air which I missed because I got rear-ended by some some punk
0: (laughs) there's so many places I could take that (laughs) Uh, yeah so Starkey man you've been around in the sport forever
1: as a pro you're making him seem like he's like 80 years old
3: I, you know i did my first pro race in 2005 okay what were you doing jackson in 2005
1: i was 12 years old i was probably playing golf and hockey
3: okay
1: Eric, what were you doing Derek,
0: was here's hockey was, probably 10 years old yeah i was playing hockey eight days a week <laughs>
3: I mean, that'd be good i think we should get together uh and if heck if we can't do a triathlon we should play hockey that'd be nice
1: so, sure so what yeah. was your first pro race what was that race
3: uh treasure island triathlon uh 2005 that was uh yeah it was finished 11th and uh yeah it was just absolutely uh yeah. No. You yeah, want to press the right button here. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was so yeah, 2005 Treasure Island Triathlon, uh, draft legal race, uh, crazy sketchy course. I remember it was crazy Crazy sketchy. I think the only guy from that race that is still racing, I'm trying to remember everybody that's in it, would probably be TJ Tollickson um i think he's the only one that would be still be racing that was in that field Thank you. but uh finished i think i think i finished 11th and paid 10 deep of course oh, of course
1: so, <laughs>
0: yeah there sometimes i think everybody
1: has like i'm pretty sure every pro has like three or four times where they finish one out of the money before they get in there and then once they get in there it's just like they're there <laughs>
3: you know, I, I, I can't even count how many times I finished that one spot out of the money. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how you guys do it. Uh, because I mean, back in the day I was racing, there were just a lot of races that, uh, you know, paid eight and 10 deep. Uh, and you know, I, you know, when ninth and 10th pay five hundred and seven, $250, uh, you know, you finish ninth and 10th place, it kind of pays for the trip. Uh, And I don't, I don't know how you guys do it now. If you finish ninth or 10th and, you know, and I, I'm not going to say fields have gotten less competitive over the years and there's a lot less races. So I, you know, I, I don't know how, how you guys, uh, I mean, Jackson, what's the, what's the amount of money that you have to make in a year that you're going to continue racing pro and Derek, what's, what's, what's the amount of money you have to make, to quit your job. And race full-time pro uh
1: good questions i probably have to make you know between sponsors and triathlon at least at least 30,000 to keep going like as an average uh, which i've been able u.s to do or canadian now, canadian so u.s like say 25 uh which okay. is not a good living as you know <laughs> that's you know i don't have kids i don't have pets so i can get by with that but um i'm hoping to make more and i probably would have made more hopefully but who knows because like you said the, the prize money and things just aren't it's not you kind of have to like really get up into the podium a lot which i've been able to do in 2018 and 19 but 2020 there just wasn't a lot of racing and um right. it's tough yeah
0: yeah i think 30 grand is like a good threshold if i want to be like living kind of bare bones lifestyle, not have a family or something. But if I want to have like a life and like what I really need is not is more than 30 grand, but it's also like a type of security in knowing that I'm going to be able to put food on the table. You know, I can't like, I can't (laughs) believe me. I can't just have my entire, I don't want to have my entire family depend on four days a year of my racing, you know, and where, where I could just flat and well, there goes a few thousand bucks and sorry, kids. (laughs) You're going
1: to the food bank this morning. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I mean, mean, we joke about it, but I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's not, it's it's not far off there. Uh, It's I mean, it's, it's pretty, I mean, and, and the thing is, is, you know, a lot of people are like, how do I, how do you get better sponsors and this and that? I'm like, Well, sponsors aren't getting easier. Sponsorships are getting harder, especially with social media and companies looking at ways to diversify the way they sponsor, uh, whether it be, you know, it seems like they're having a harder time letting money go uh, versus back in the day where, you know, it seemed like uh, before social media really took off, that, you know, they invested in athletes and the athlete's story uh and print media and i mean i thought i think that's a really cool time in the sport uh but you know now we're all social media driven and now i always tell athletes you just the the easiest way to be professional and continue to be professional is just figure out the cost of your life and figure out how to eliminate some of the costs and uh you know and i'm not saying just not do them but hey you know if if you're, you know, just streamline things, uh, because I mean, when you start raking it down, there's, you know, quite a few things in your life that you don't, that are nice to have, but by the end of the year, uh, you know, they cost you 30, 40 grand. Yeah. And well, that's me with kids. It cost me 30, 40 grand. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you you know, if you just, I mean, if, if you look at it, if you go out to eat three times a week, uh, you know it gets very expensive very quick yeah
0: yeah and like you said before man just looking at kind of the trend going along it's kind of different with the pto stepping in now but looking at the trend with number of pro races prize money pro races to me i know a couple years ago i was kind of in this funk where i was like man the writing's on the wall and like pro racing is is going to be gone in a few years you know before the pto really stepped in and that was a point that i kind of had to make a decision on like am I going to maybe work towards having an out from pro racing at this point during my career, or am I going to commit full-time right now? And I kind of took that route where I could build something in the background for when I, when I get out of sport. And that way it'll give me like the safety buffer so I can commit to it at one point, but I don't know. It's getting scary sometimes. So the paycheck is nice to have.
1: we've uh the team we started this year and and nick chase who's not here on the podcast right now but he's been the main driver of this the team we've started because it's a way for us to kind of take things in our own hands and it's not like Mm -hmm. we're getting like boatloads of money but at least it's something we're making and it's almost like you know like you said with social media and sponsors kind of being a little bit more hesitant to part with that cash if you create something different that's geared towards what they're looking for that's kind of the goal of it and I mean, it's kind of a big investment of time and effort and maybe it falls flat, but maybe we break through and then all, all of a sudden, all these teams start coming up and we were one of the first to do it. So, um right. that's kind of what we're trying to do and then make something useful out of the COVID year. But, um, but like you said, like it's, it's tough to get that, uh, investment from sponsors and, and I don't really blame them because of how easy it is to get a bunch of age groupers or whoever to just push your product for nothing. Um, it's, you know, like they, the ones who really want to invest in athletes are doing it because they believe in the sport and they believe that people want to, want to associate with an expert who has experience and who has results. Um, and those are the ones who want to sponsor athlete pros, but a lot of companies are just like, Hey, we'll have, you know, 30 age groupers and no pros and we will we'll actually make money off the age groupers. Cause we won't give them that great of a deal and they win and there's no risk.
3: It's always, it's always interesting when you see logos on even different professionals' jerseys. It's like, what level of sponsorship? I mean, is it a 20% off Bed, Bath & Beyond coupon? <laughs> or is it a... Uh, or are they giving them you know, $5,000 in uh, Bed, Bath & Beyond coupons a year? Uh, what, what, what denotes a sponsorship? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
1: Well, that's a whole whole bag of worms we could open but i know you've been with some of your sponsors for a long time and it's this was touched on in the other podcast but um have you been able to secure those relationships again for 2021 are you are you okay to keep moving forward
3: for the most part with them yeah i mean i've i've been with orbea uh uh, 2008 2009 Uh, i've been with them a while Uh, i've worked with vision equally almost equally as long uh been with orca uh, since 2011 i think i've been with the base now seven years uh pretty much since they started to become more of a public company there than chris lieto's uh chris lieto's homebrew but uh yeah i mean it's it's uh yeah i've been with them a long time and uh i mean i've had opportunities to leave they've had opportunities to leave and uh you know we both of us have kind of just you know, with all of them is just, uh, you know, we, we've had faith in each other. We know how each other works. They know I'm passionate about the sport. They know I'm going to get upset if, uh, I think that they're, we don't have the best equipment and, but they also know that, uh, you know, that, uh, I'm, 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 I'm also the one that's going to be helping them and pushing, uh, them pushing the envelope to help them design, uh, cooler stuff. Um, you know, I mean, I'm super, super stoked to get out and race the uh, the new Ardu, because uh, that bike is that bike is mad fast. Uh, so, um, yeah, you don't want to know. You don't.
1: Oh, we got to catch up. All the companies are going to try to catch up. So it's it's an exciting spot for uh, bikes right now because I think in the next year or two, all the companies are going to have their new flagship. So that's pretty cool. But that's really good to hear that you're kind of been able to move forward and you know, have the sponsorship. And uh I can't wait to race you again soon. Kind of. You know, sometimes I kind of don't want to. I've never I, I've never actually beaten Andrew in a race. Everyone's like, Why don't you just catch him on the run? I'm like, he runs like one eighteen and I run like one fifteen. And I've got to be really freaking close to catch him.
3: I still remember. I still remember seeing you at Chattanooga. Uh, what was that? Uh, two years oh, ago.
0: That was a great I, race,
3: dude. I was shocked. I was like, okay, you know, I there was there was a, that was a stout field. I mean, uh, that was a strong field, and uh, I mean, I thought I was expecting to see Kevin Collington chasing me down, or Andy Potts, or uh, Matt Russell, or uh, and when I saw it was you in second place, I'm like, shit. <laughs> uh, Jackson's in second. Uh, and I mean, that, that race was just, I mean, when I looked at the re when I look at the results of that race, uh, I mean, you and Adam Ockstock both just had phenomenal races. And I mean, the guys you beat, uh, you know, you guys, you kept a lot of great guys off the podium that day. And I thought, uh, I mean up until up until that point I thought that was definitely one of your best races.
1: Oh, that was a breakout like that was a huge breakout race for me. And That was 2018. Um uh, I guess to give more background that was the first so that was my that was my second podium ever in a 70.3 and that was like a breakout run because I I'd always run okay but I kind of usually ran around 120 and you know sometimes 118, 117 but I just, you know, we got off the bike and we were like seven minutes down on you or something like that. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm racing these other guys. And then I just like felt amazing. And I'm like, Hey, I'm just, I'm running well. And then halfway through the run, I was on pace to like finish at the same time as you. That's always the case. And you always hold off. But I just, man, you like you, like you said, that was my best race. And that really just opened my eyes to what is possible in the sport. And I just kept building on that, that year for sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, again, you know, and it's it's cool because, again, being, I mean, I've gone from being the youngest guy in the pro meeting. uh, I mean, when I was, when I, when I started racing pro, I was 23. And so, I mean, I've, I've got to see a lot of guys uh, grow into the sport and uh, I've definitely enjoyed, uh, you know, watching you grow into the sport Uh, and, you know, no offense, Garrick uh, I've, I've I've had a couple more opportunities to race Jackson and, uh, you know, and, and I, I, but still in that race, you, you really, uh, you really raced well, but the one that I appreciated was the fire and the pissed off in your eyes, uh, would it be 2019 at steelhead, how pissed you were at the finish line. Oh man, you were fired up. And I, that's, To me, to see that passion in somebody, that's cool. I mean, you know, when you cross the finish line and it's like I gave it everything, but I am pissed with how I finished. That that's cool, and and I know why, and we don't need to get into why you should have finished third. But uh, you know, the the rules are enforced. The way the rules are enforced, and uh, you know, that's that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah.
1: I've, it's been a few times that I've been pissed like that and it's, uh, it's always with regards to rule enforcement and, but also I always end up fourth when I have that shitty, like that day where it's just like, this went wrong and there's nothing I can do about it, but there is, and that's to get better at swimming. So that's, you know, the next that's, it's always a mix because I'm always like, oh, I should have been third. But also if I just freaking got better at swimming, it wouldn't have been a problem. And I would have been in there anyways.
3: I mean, so, I mean, and this is kind of one of the lessons that I've learned in the sport is, is as much as people, you know, they they harp on that one thing that they're not great at. And I found that, you know, early in my career, and that's the thing is, is I mean, I've raced for so many years. The first five years I raced, the first four years I raced pro, I was working full time, kind of doing the Garrick thing. Uh, and I mean, seriously, that's, I learned so much in those years, uh, about, you know, just trying, trying to train differently trying just racing. I learned so much racing knowledge. And I think that's one of the cool things with having the non-draft Olympic distance that we had back in the day is you could race 10 times a year and get so much racing knowledge and that it just pays off dividends of, and it's not just positioning it's it's everything uh about the race how the how the race how the beginning of the swim unfolds uh so many of those details people think about you know oh i just got to get faster in the swim i got to get faster in the swim
2: you
3: yes and no i mean i've i've gotten slower in the swim but i've come out in better and better position just because i know how the swim ebbs and flows and i know how to how to win the swim i'll call it uh you know, and, and the years that I've dedicated, you know, extra track workouts, extra speed work, extra stuff on the run and sacrifice the bike have been my worst years. Uh, Because, I mean, it's like, oh, the, the run, it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off. And y- you need to have all three sports to be rock solid. And if you sacrifice any of the three sports to try to make one stronger, it, 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 for some reason, at least for me, it doesn't, it just doesn't pay off. And it's, it's, I always, I always say rising tide raises all ships. So it's always like, as long as my training on all three fronts, if I just keep pushing them all up and just trying to push them all continuously to the next level, that that's what just brought me success. And it's not, you know, oh, I'm going to take this year off of focusing on the bike and I'm going to focus on the run more. or I'm going to, you know, try to get my swim back to where it used to be. Uh, it just doesn't work uh, for me, at least I, I mean, for some people it probably does, but I I always feel that you always got to be pushing the envelope in all three sports to be successful anymore.
1: Yeah. And now, uh, that's an interesting thing you brought up and I'll kind of throw the opposite at you. What do you do when you can't really do as much of one sport, like say swim right now or in the last year and a half or year? Um, how do you kind of make make do with what you have? I know you mentioned you have like thirty minute swim slots. So what do you do well, there? Right
3: now, I have, I still have thirty minute swim slots. Um, but I, the, the the thing that I've done the last year, I mean, I, one thing I've learned over the course of many years uh, is when you get injured from one sport, man, to be a two sport athlete is easy. I, I mean, it's like if I just have two sports to do, it's 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 like going from three to two. It's like it's like the opposite of kids. You know, when you go two to three, it's a big jump. When you go from one to two, it's an enormous jump. But when you go from three to two, it's just like, Oh, I can do this. This is no problem. So uh, I guess, wow. That's, that's actually the best analogy is, is it, it is like parenting, you know, it's like, you know, when I had, when I, when, when we had two kids and I had both kids, it was hard, but now you give me two kids instead of had three kids, it's easy. And that's kind of how I feel with sports is, is you know, if you eliminate one of those sports, training becomes a lot easier. Um, But again, we're professionals. You're trying to compete against the best guys in the world that are, you know, and I granted, we all have little bit different restrictions right now. I mean, Jackson's not swimming. I'm swimming 30 minutes a day, five days a week. And uh, you know, Garrick is sitting there like, I don't even know. I don't know what to do with all this uh, extra pool time. So (laughs) um, it's, it's, when you, when you only got two sports, I, you just, I really don't find you do much more intensity. Uh, I just, I feel like you can't do more intensity, but you can, I feel like you have, you can train longer without needing to take time off or back back off the throttle.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, right now I'm not swimming and I'm like, every day I'm like, I'm done. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm done for the day. I've already just not even rushed through the day at all. It's easy. It's like, but yeah, like you said, you can just keep going. And I think the extra hours of recovery are worth so much um, that, you know, I think it does pay off in the long run. As long as you don't take a huge long break, like two weeks off swimming. I mean, maybe that's two weeks of, you know, building up uh, energy reserves and just feeling better when I get back. So try not to be too uh, discouraged about it, but
3: so what we'll is seven months about swimming?
1: <laughs> yeah good question I was rigged man I was doing all the crazy things to swim I was in like 50 degree pool with a tether on and like wetsuit and clothes under the wetsuit and like um I've had Vaseline all over any exposed skin so I could swim it was pretty hilarious last
0: April <laughs>
3: well, yeah I mean it's yeah
0: yeah, I was the same way, man. But when we couldn't swim, I felt like I was trying so hard to, to swim. But I was just enjoying the rest of the training so much more. I don't know what it is you throw that swim in. And I just I just don't. I don't know. It's tough for me. I just don't enjoy swimming, I think. <laughs> so waking up and having be in the water at like 530 or whatever time Anytime you have to get in the water, I just, that's the biggest point of the day where I dread it and I get pissed off in my coach. And then, <laughs> but when it was just two sports, I was having so much fun. It's just like way more fun training. Maybe you just don't like mornings. Yeah.
3: Don't come in this house, man. My kids are up by shit. My kids are up by 5 15 AM each morning. At least two of them are. <laughs> Yeesh. Yeah, that's tough. Well, hey, I'm Eric. generally in the pool by that time. <laughs> that's
1: impressive. Yeah. Um, anything, Eric, you want to touch on? I think we've, you know, this has been awesome to, to hear from Starkey, the actual real Andrew
3: Starquicks. Yeah, yeah, the real Starquicks.
0: Then <laughs> before you go, this is a question. How did you feel about that whole real Starkey thing? Because it's kind of dead now, but. That was like when I was first starting, get like getting into the sport and really paying attention to it. And like this guy made a basically an entire media thing based off your name. How was that? How'd you feel about that?
3: You know, I at first the first, so I mean, just to walk people through it. 2013, uh, shortly after Kona, uh, somebody announced somebody has this website, the Real Starkey, and at first it was really funny. You know, it was like, uh, shoot, I can't remember. I think I did, uh, oh, I did uh, Rev Three. Um, I, did, I did Ironman, Florida, and I, that year in 2013, broke eight hours, first American ever to go under eight hours, which was, you know, I first wanted to do it, you know, do it on American soil. It was just awesome. It was gnarly. And then the next weekend, but I finished second to Victor Del Corral. And then the next weekend, I won Rev3 Florida, uh, which was my last race of the year. And I raced, I mean, it was all heart. That day was all about being pissed off that I lost the weekend before. Uh, and, uh, but that night, he posted this tweet of, I'm just sitting back drinking Coors Light, uh, you know, with, with some buddies. And I'm just like, I'm looking, I'm, I'm not drinking Coors Light but I am kicking back and drinking beer. I was with my wife and a couple of friends. So I'm just like, okay, now who is this? Cause whoever it is knows me really well. And it, I mean, I was going around in circles trying to figure out everything. And then about mid November, it just started turning to, from this funny thing to attacking USADA, attacking Iron Man, attacking Wadi Inc. and a couple other companies. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I actually filed a, in mid November or late November, a impersonation, uh, complaint with Twitter and Twitter. I basically went to Twitter court over the real Sarki in November of 20, uh, uh, November 27th of 2013. And, uh, they basically said that, Hey, we can't do anything if he doesn't use your picture. So they basically told, and I didn't know it was Ben Hobbs at the time, they basically told Ben Hobbs, as long as you don't use this picture, we can't do anything. Like, so the cock came out in the middle of a bicycle wheel. And I, you know, and I was like, oh, shit. So, and then, ironically, uh, 10 days later, he, due to the, probably due to the amount of attacks on USADA, I got added to the USADA registered testing pool. Uh, December 3rd of 2013 and over the course of the next five years while the real Starkey did all of his antics which everybody loved uh, you know everybody absolutely loved it people would have come to me all the time Uh, sponsors everybody loved it but sponsors I had I lost two sponsors during that time just because they're like is this you? I'm like, I have nothing to do with this. And they just couldn't wrap their head around the being associated with me and the whole, the real Starkey thing. I mean, a lot of the stuff he said was, uh, like, you know, it was similar to some of the, some of my views, but I would never go to that extreme of, uh, you know, doing what he did with social media. But, uh, I mean, he was good for, he was good for the sport. Um, you know, with a lot of the stuff he did. He definitely created a lot of hype, a lot of interest. People cared about the pros. People cared about things. Every day, people would go on Twitter to see what he had to say. Um, and in, uh, what was that, 2017, I believe it was. He, yeah, June of 2017, he ceased uh, to post. And ironically, in December of 2017, I got removed from the registered testing pool for USADA. So uh, I don't know if one goes hand in hand with the other, but uh, I find it very ironic how those two paralleled. Um, so I think part of, I think part of uh, the reason that I got the, uh, that I was treated so unfairly with this whole TUE thing was I was singled out uh, because of the strong stance I have taken. And I think a lot of what the encounter. The that was impersonated me. A lot of the damage that he said and that he did uh, against people like Iron Man, uh, against Usada, I think got taken out on me in this uh, in this case. Uh, and I mean, everybody. I think a lot of people made out, except for the three people that were involved with it. I know for Mark and Ben, uh, the real Starkey account was actually used against them uh, in their separations uh and with their uh paternity cases uh you know is this really a quality parent uh and and ultimately it looks like it got used against me with a few sponsors and then with usada and uh iron man here wow so yeah
1: and i didn't and you were on the podcast you talked with them on the podcast more than once i think Uh,
3: twice yeah i went on with them twice uh they wanted me on all the time uh you know, they confronted me, uh, early on and I'm like, Hey, you know what, if you guys clean up, if you guys were a little, you know, more PG, I could get on board, you know, but, uh, I, with the route you guys are going down, I think I talked to them for the first time. Uh, and this is Ben. I mean, he was, he, he actually synthesized his voice in our first conversation. It, It was, uh, it was in February or March of, uh, 20, 2014, he synthesized his voice, and I'm like, who the fuck is this? (laughs) And did you know him before that? No, I never met him. I still have never sat down at a table and met him. Huh. I mean, I've met Mark a few times, uh, but I've never, uh, never ever met uh, Ben. Mm -hmm. Uh, We should try to get Ben on the podcast. That would be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he. I guess uh, the only time I ever was in the vicinity of him is he ran next to me drinking beer, I guess, one year at Kona. Uh, but other than that, uh, I, I, I've never never met him, don't know him. You you could probably line him up in front of me. I wouldn't know who he was.
0: It wasn't so much drinking as spilling it all over himself. Like, <laughs> puked it up. It was a hilarious picture. but. wow. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, dude, I really want to thank you for coming on, talking to us. Yeah, no worries. Just being open. Don't no worry. Thanks for having
3: me on. And yeah. hey, thanks for thanks for thanks for taking the time to do podcasts and try to push push the sport forward. Uh I mean every little bit helps here and you know, to have a couple of young pros who are uh you know forward forward thinking and pushing the way you guys are. Uh it's awesome to see, especially for an old fart like myself. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Thanks for the encouragement. That's great. And I know that you're going to do 14 tweets and 16 Instagram posts to promote this episode for us, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, but
0: seriously, thanks for coming as on. Soon as as soon
3: good. as that check clears, I, I'll make sure to get those out.
0: <laughs> cool. It's actually just a discount, but <laughs>
3: oh, <okay. laughs> yeah, okay. you get a discount off our Patreon. 10%. <laughs> yeah, 10%. So. No, guys, uh, you guys keep up the good work, and I look forward to, uh, you know, Garrick, I wouldn't mind you uh, tickling my feet a couple more times in the water, and, uh, you know, Jackson, uh, as long as you keep finishing behind me, I'm fine with you continuing to improve. Awesome.
0: (laughs) And we're back. And we're back. (laughs) Yeah, man. Touching on that, like that last point with the real Starkey there, I didn't know any of that stuff. I didn't yeah. know all that the legal stuff that happened, or all the stuff with Twitter. I thought that was pretty interesting.
1: I don't think there was anything kind of, you know, any suing or anything like that. But it sounded like it definitely impacted him, mostly in a negative way. And then he still goes on to the podcast and makes nice with those guys and helps promote them and says they're good for the sport. And you know that's you really should to me showcase the kind of guy that Starkey is. There's these guys here who are definitely having a negative impact on his career in some ways, at least. Um, But he's, you know, he realizes it's good for the sport and he promotes it or he kind of supports it. So um, if you're a guy who can do that, then, you know, obviously in my mind, he's, he's going to come back from this and be strong again. And he already served his 13 month suspension and um, he's going to be back and kicking butt. And I don't, I don't personally feel like I'm going to be worried that Starkey's a doper. I think he's one of the cleanest guys around. And, um, you know, if he beats my ass again, I'm not going to feel too bad about it. But I'm going to, definitely going to try to get one on him because I haven't done that yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I'm definitely going to try to beat him out of the water this time. I think it's Steelhead, it was like 0.5 seconds that he beat me. <laughs> but... You just need to sprint the last 10 meters more. I can't believe you didn't trip him. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah and we we kind of touched upon the whole doping stuff but more on his perspective on it and he kind of took us through his mental state start to finish there and like that was good to hear he that's something he doesn't really touch upon on the other podcasts and uh, it's a tough it's tough to hear a guy get tossed around like that I'm glad just like he said it's a good thing it happened to him because he was able to stand up for it he's always been vocal in the entire sport and like you said, Jack, he's, he's kind of always owned up to everything he said, and he doesn't shy away from anything. So, yeah, shows us the kind of guy he is. Yeah. I Even mean and we, that's yeah.
1: use it as a lesson, yeah. too. Like, he's got to, you know, it could happen to you, and it happened to him, and you got to be careful as heck. So, I think the, you know, he'll probably agree, he would probably agree that the biggest mistake he made was assuming that what should happen would happen because sometimes you just got to assume that the worst thing that could happen is gonna happen. And that is kind of what happened to him for a while there at least. So um, definitely a big freaking you know lesson learned um, that I will be extremely careful if I ever am in any kind of similar situation in the future, which hopefully I'm not, because hopefully I don't get any lung infections.
2: Through that, I think we can all just take a good note from J-Rock, Trailer Park Boys, his epic song. I think that goes, it could happen to you because it happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And he was talking about the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it.
0: Yeah. That's um. It for this week. Yeah. Yep. Up,
2: Nick? Coming up next, we're going to do some giveaways on the real triathlon squad. We're going to give away some products from our sponsors. So check out our Instagram and our sponsors, Instagram's uh, partners are going to be blue 70 try hard, and Zoka gear and Rudy project. They're going to be throwing in some really good gifts for you to win. So that's going to be coming up. Uh, pay attention to our YouTube channel. We're going to put out really good content uh, just about day in the life, what Jackson needs for breakfast, what how Garrick looks when he's sleeping in bed, all tucked in. We get a lot of video for hours of him. <laughs> Didn't even know. Now We it. need to do that. Now I really want to <laughs> see that. Garrick <laughs> getting tucked in for bed.
0: <laughs> uh, a few hours I do sleep. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Although I probably still sleep more than Nick. Uh,
2: Yeah, today's the first day. I can honestly say, in about three months, I slept in on my own till six a.m.
0: What six a.m. That's uh, if you were on the East Coast, that would be nine a.m. So that no eight a.m. eight a.m. Bud, no, No, the East Coast Coast. of Canada goes further east. Oh, time zones over there. (laughs) What? (laughs) 9:30 if you were in newfoundland
1: that's right newfoundland yeah also we're gonna be notching our team store so you're gonna be able to buy the same stuff from all our sponsors that are on there that, that we really support us and we're the retailer so yeah we get to make some money from it and put it towards the team and supporting the athletes and supporting us doing some more cool stuff so uh win-win for everybody especially you guys who get awesome products
2: Especially Jack, who's been trying to get a boob job so he can have the same cup size as me.
1: Yeah, if you want that, you can just directly
2: transfer that. To me. <laughs> All right. Well, take us out, Garrick.
0: All right, everybody. Until next time, peace out. out.
2: Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise On a one-man mission trying to see it through.